Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. And we are live with Curtis in New Mexico for episode 78 of the Next Report Unix and Overlook Pop Culture. Um, how's the weather where you're at? It is sunny, 86 degrees, and very windy. Um, it was actually windy late last night. And, um, I live upstairs, so and where I live upstairs, it's kind of warmer due to heat rising and all of that, but I can feel the temperature dropping a little bit. And you met, you had, we were going to talk about uh, certain fun things today, but this is just as fun and just as important, actually. Um, that time of the year has come um, for tornado season, and you are very fortunate you do not live in tornado, quite live in tornado alley. <laughs> um, I live right smack in the center of tor- tornado well, alleys. I'm from tornado alley. And to be honest, I, I like tornado alley because I like storms. I have, my dad used to be a volunteer firefighter for the Holden police department or fire department a long time ago when I was a little kid. And so I had been out chasing storms many, many times in my life with him in the fire department before. So I like this stuff, but it can be very, very uh, dangerous, and yes. um, and you actually put together quite a few, um, quite a bit of information mm-hmm. for today's broadcast. Um, some resources that you can go to um, to kind of have more information and what have you. And there's a tell us about uh, the Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. So, I'm uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, basically, you know, kind of what their big thing is, what they're known for. Okay, so the Storm uh, Predictions Laboratory is uh, part of the National Weather Service, and it's located in Norman, Oklahoma. And basically, what they do is they produce every single day, every day of the year, uh, the weather prediction for the next 72 hours for the entirety of the United States. And the reason that I put them as, a, as the first link is because anybody who does storm chasing, any new, like your local Fox 4 or CBS you know, 9 or or whatever local news channels you have in whatever town you live in, is going to get the majority of their information about severe weather or just weather in general from the Storm Prediction Center and from the National Weather Service. Um, There are other places out there, like there's weather.com, there's Weather Underground, uh, Unisys. uh, I think Unisys is Canadian, and they do a, a North American forecast for the whole continent. But um, you know these places are just as good. They also share information between the weather service. But it is the weather service's job to go after severe storms in particular. And given that we've now entered tornado season, which, by the way, uh, New Mexico is actually in Tornado Alley. Oh, my bad. Yep, up to the uh, Rio Grande River is technically considered. We get about three a year. Uh, we don't see you know, anything near what is seen in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, and Iowa, of course. But, um, 
you know, it's it's <laughs> it can be fun. Because I, I, I was looking at one of the animated patterns, and it looked like, you know, basically where you were at, you were you you were away from most of the danger, and mostly. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just, like I said, it's really hot here. We have a low-pressure system that's developing over the state of New Mexico, actually, that's going to bring you guys rain over the weekend. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's so windy here, because the low is, is building and... and Air, air masses from high pressures go flow into the low area pressure. Um, so, you know, if you get a lot of, of really highly charged air that's got a lot of moisture and a lot of energy flowing into a low, you get the development of a low pressure system and then eventually cold fronts or warm fronts, which, you know, brings you the rain and the severe weather. So, so you've, you've been watching this... Uh, watching some stuff developing, um, uh-huh. and you, you say that there's something developing um, towards the end of Missouri, around the Joplin area, Kansas area. Yeah. So um, about half an hour, well, meh, about 45 minutes ago, um, I've been following a live stream, and there's. Um, I guess if you want to segue really quickly into our next topic, because these are technically resources, um, there's a YouTube channel called Storm Chasing Video, and you can, it's all one word. And they do live streams of tornado chasers, storm chasers, from all over the country. And they have two running right now, uh, a couple of well-known guys, Brandon Ivey, who I believe works for the Weather Channel, and uh, Ben McMillan, who's a, 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 a amateur... Um, he doesn't work for anybody. He does this for, for his, his hobby, basically. And they're both chasing in southeastern Kansas, right above uh, Coffeyville, Kansas, close to Joplin, Missouri, in a town called Parsons. And they have a wall cloud on the ground. Or they have a wall cloud, excuse me. I don't know if there's a tornado on the ground, but I'm looking at the radar, and the relative velocity on the storm is just insane. It's There's definitely really strong rotation in the storm. So people in that area are definitely going to have a lot of, at least at the very least, they're going to have a lot of hail. A lot of very big hail. Golf ball size or bigger, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and it looks like two more cells have developed in front of it and just now passing south of Nevada, Missouri, north of Joplin. So, um you might actually be able to see these if you were to be able to look south from Warnsburg. You might see the very tops of the clouds, although I don't know. On the live stream, it's obviously it's getting dark there for you guys. We still have about an hour of daylight left here in central New Mexico. Uh, so the live stream is getting harder and harder to, uh, to see what's going on. Um, I do notice uh, some clouds looking in that you know, yeah. t- top window in, in, in the loft that I yeah. live in. So, um, it, it is, it, you know, I'm trying, I don't notice any wind at the moment. I don't see any branches moving back and forth harshly, but yeah, there's, um, I don't, I think it's because we're talking about a storm that is one, two, three, four, five counties away from you. So probably, 300 miles or more. So I don't know. Um, I mean, there's nothing developing back in east central Kansas at this time. 
Uh, so I don't know that you guys will actually get anything tonight. But this event is actually interesting because there was literally nothing here 45 minutes ago, and this thing just exploded. I mean, it's it's just a massive sell. Um, so. um, there's some other places to go as well. There's Pecos Hank's channel. Yeah. Um, um, there's also TIV, which is Tornado Intercept Video. Um, those are some other places that you can go to. Um, so, uh, I mislabeled the Tornado Intercept video. <laughs> that, that was actually not supposed to be there. That's a link for a special vehicle that I thought we could talk about later. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry about that. No, that's okay. Uh, I just mislabeled it. Um, but yeah, there is Pecos Hank's channel. And he has a website as well, uh, PecosHank.com. Um, so, and I'm assuming this, this guy is very, very experienced at what he does. Well, he's a, he's an amateur. Um, he, I believe he has a degree in biology from Texas A&M, I believe, or maybe it's the University of Houston. But anyway, he does chase storms. He plays in a band. Uh, he's he's really got a really really interesting YouTube channel, and I, I wanted to give him a shout out because his video quality and his production, he puts a lot of work into it, and he really, in my opinion, is undersubscribed. So you know, hopefully, some of the watchers of this podcast might go check him out, and if you agree that you like his content, give him that subscribe. He's got some really great tornado and lightning videos. He's got his own band, so he's got some great music videos on there. And uh, some interesting wildlife videos too, stuff with snakes and so on. Um, well, since since you uh, mislabeled a uh, link, <laughs> uh, tell tell us about uh, this type of vehicle. So there is there's a there's um basically there's a film director. His name is Sean Casey, and he it works for IMAX, I believe. And so he had this idea of wanting to shoot IMAX film of tornadoes either extremely close to them or actually inside of them. So they designed a vehicle that was designed to be able to be anchored down so you could drive it into position, you could anchor, it's very heavy, it's actually got armor, it almost looks like a tank. And it's got... Yeah, uh, look yeah it's got windows, it's got a rotating, two IMAX camera places, lots of stuff on it. And the people inside can actually lay down in the bottom of it. There's actually like a sub-window below the windshield so they can get as low to the ground and, you know, to keep themselves safe. Um, there are two of these vehicles. There was TIV-1 and TIV-2. And the, the really cool thing is that on uh, the 27th of May of 2013, they actually um, survived being inside of an EF-4 tornado. It did rip the door off. <laughs> so they spent about half of the, uh, I think they were in the tornado for about seven minutes, a uh, very slow-moving storm. It ripped the door off, and they actually were exposed through debris inside the truck. They, I mean, they're very lucky they didn't get killed. Um, but uh, the video from that, I didn't link to it, but it's all over YouTube. If you just tornado intercept vehicle, you'll find the video, and it's really incredible. I mean, I, I can't even believe what it must have been been like or felt like to be there. Um, and that's just one of the tools that they've been using to 
kind of track um, and, yeah. and all of that. Um, and how do how do people measure the damage that a tornado does? Okay, so it's important to talk about that because uh, when people who are really not weather junkies like I am, or, or you know, who may not know a lot about it, that you probably hear your local weatherman say it's an EF two or it's an EF five. You're probably thinking, what does that mean? So what they're talking about is they're talking about the Fujita scale, and uh, Ted Fujita was a physicist, and in the 1970s, late 1970s, working at the University of Chicago, uh, he developed a basically a, a scale that could be used to determine a category uh, for a tornado that was based basically upon the damage that it causes and the wind speed. And so, because there are a lot of correlations between these two things, um, and so the original scale was called the Fujita scale, and it was numbered from zero to five. And the um, you know just to give you a little bit of a basic description of it, uh, an F two tornado, Fujita scale two tornado, would be uh, having its fastest sustained winds would be about 113 to 150 miles an hour. And so that means the tornado's row, that's the straight line wind. If you were standing in there, that's what you would be measuring. And, you know, it would be pretty damaging. This would probably flip over some cars or at least move them along the roadway. It could damage trailers and that sort of thing. Whereas an EF5 is what they commonly call the thumb of God. And uh, this is a tornado, if you're familiar with the film that came out in 1994 called Twister, this is the one they chase in the end. They are bases that are over a mile wide with winds that are in excess of 250 miles per hour. And um, their uh, total destruction, uh, Greensburg, Kansas, 2007, which was destroyed. The whole town was utterly destroyed by an EF-5 tornado. Um, there have only been about 60 recorded EF-5s. I'm sure there have been many more. But because, you know, we only have had a scale for really trying to determine how big tornadoes were for the last 30-some years, 40-some years, um, you know, we, there's no way to tell about any of the storms that happened in the 1800s or the early 1900s. I mean, guesses have been made, like for the tri-state tornado, for example, which was in 1925 that affected Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana. So... so. So basically, the bigger the number, the more damage it's going to be doing. Right. Basically. Right. Um, that is absolutely true. And there is, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember oh, was when this was actually done, but yeah, 2007. After um, some tornadoes that happened in the early 2000s, they actually got together. And using some of the new science that has been done, they revised the original scale. It's now called the Enhanced Vegeta Scale. So now instead of F5, you'll hear EF5. And it's not really a huge deal, but they did some things where they made uh, much, much better um, accuracy on figuring out wind speed and damage and the kind of the lines between what would be an EF4 and an EF5. So it's kind of an update. And 
mean, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at these, like in EF5, for example, can uh, damage an apartment, condo, townhouses, etc. Um, an EF8 can damage a small retail building, like fast food. Uh, the tornado in tornado in Joplin um, yes. practically took out an entire Walmart, basically. Yes. Uh, so it was probably bigger than that. Um, but um, so, so far, there's been a couple of unusual things. Um, this year, um, there I, I see an EF four, an EF three, and an EF four um, in in Nebraska. So, right. so, so it was last year in um, May and June. There were a couple of incredible, uh, very photo what they call photogenic uh, tornadoes. That means they happen in the early afternoon when there's plenty of daylight and you can get really good pictures, really good video of these storms. And um, one of the most famous one are the, are the twins, the Pilger Nebraska twins, which I believe was June 17th of last year. And you had one single storm was dropping two completely distinct and non-related tornadoes. Uh, both of them in EF4 category, one of which actually took a direct hit on the town of Pilger. There were a couple of people killed. There were a lot of injuries, a lot of damage. Um, and they were, the video, which I, I have here, and we can, I'm sure we can figure out a way to link a lot of this stuff in the show notes. But the video is just mind-boggling. The Coleridge tornado, um, there's debate as to whether or not it was an EF3, an EF4, or an EF5. Um, there wasn't a ton of damage because it mostly happened outside of town uh, and didn't hit any other major towns in the area. Um, but the video from that is also incredible. Um, some of the chasers, Pecos Hank was one of them, actually got very, very close to the storm and was able to do so because it was moving uh, a lot slower than they normally do. So 2014, last year. Yeah, yeah. Last year, basically. Yeah. Um, why did I say this year? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but um, very unusual year for uh, tornadoes. Um, there yeah, was, there were other other instances too that are out there that you people can go and research and look at. Um, 2013, um, uh, Oklahoma had one. An yes. EF5. There was also Greensburg, Kansas, in 2007. It was apparently destroyed the whole town. I think you mentioned that earlier. Um, the tri-state one, um, there were, back in 1925, was the deadliest yeah. one. But Joplin in 2011. Yeah. Um, there's a debate between EF4 and EF5, but it. It did a lot of damage, nonetheless. That's true. Um, so the El Reno, Oklahoma tornado is the largest one we've recorded. The at it at the height when the storm was at its most powerful, the base of the tornado was twice as big as any they had ever seen on camera before. 
it was two and a half mile wide tornado on the ground, meaning that inside the actual rotation vortex was a two and a half mile tract of land. So you can imagine that this thing was absolutely massive and it did considerable damage um, north, just north of Oklahoma City. I believe El Reno is a, is a suburb of Oklahoma City, if memory serves correctly. So, and that that wasn't very far from uh, that wasn't very far from Midwest City then, because that's also a suburb. That's right. Yeah, um, this storm went through El Reno, Yukon, and Piedmont before it finally died out in the country south of Guthrie. Um, and of course, people will remember uh, last year, I believe it was, no, no, it was the same year, it was 2013, actually, that's right, it was. El Reno was two weeks after the Moore, Oklahoma tornado, which was very devastating and killed several children in a school, and I think there were at least 70 people that were killed and several hundred hurt, and it was uh, an EF4, EF5 also, um, very dangerous storm that went south of Oklahoma City. So there and there are those who know what they're doing when they're chasing it, whether they're paid professionally or they just do it because they enjoy it. But these things can be very, very devastating. Um, yeah, that's and, right. Um, like, again, I remember the news about the Joplin t tornado, and, and it did a significant amount of damage. A lot of people got hurt, and it wasn't very pleasant. Um, uh, basically, you know, you've you've heard things in school going. This is what you need to do to prepare for a tornado. Things like that. Um, and and any emergency situation, it's a good idea. Anyway, having a plan, uh, purchasing a, an NOAA weather radio. Right. Um, and knowing when the season begins and ends in your area as well. And it's now starting, at least for this, for yeah. for where I'm at and even where you're at, yeah. it's, it's, it's now April. It's, you know, time. Um, in terms of planning, um, what is your recommended course of action in addition to getting that type of radio that can keep people up to date on the weather? Well, um, so if you live in Tornado Alley, so if you're living in Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Northern Texas, Arkansas, Iowa, South Dakota to, to some degree, um, then the, the best plan that you can have is to if you live in a, like a trailer park, for example, um, try to, you know, remember you have friends that are close by. If there's a tornado coming through your town, can you get to their house if they, if they have a house, if they have a shelter? Because the only place that's less safe to be in a tornado than a trailer is a car. So a trailer's kind of unfortunately at the bottom of the list of safest places to be. And even a house without a basement will be much better because it's on a built, sturdy foundation. So, um, 
The the only exception to that is if said trailer happens to be down inside of a deep down a valley down a really really steep hill. Well, I mean, you've got that. That's true. But the tornado can definitely track right down that valley, and and in some ways, if it's a if it's a very narrow valley, then the winds will actually be worse, and it could <laughs> over. Um, yeah, it's just the the best plan I would say is that if you if you're a person who lives in any kind of mobile home or mobile trailer, try to make connections with somebody who has a stable structure, or at the very least, you know, if there's like a, a work garage or a school nearby that you can you can go to in the event of an emergency. Get with them and find out if there's somebody that's going to be there, you know, all hours of the day or night. A lot of you know high schools have night janitors. Uh, ours did when, in Holden when I was a kid. So, you know, those are places to go. The reason I, I say consider purchasing the radio is because the radio is, I think, 20 bucks at Walmart. Uh, they're very highly qual- high quality. My, I have one. I've had it for like 10 years. I've never had to worry about it breaking. I think I've dropped it hundreds of times. But the great thing is, is that if you live in an area where there's not um, a lot of, like, television access, or if you don't even watch TV, you know, a lot of people have migrated to the Internet these days and do Netflix and things like that, uh, this is the best thing you can do because you can set the radio to your specific town. And so if there is any kind of a warning, whether it's winter storm or tornado or severe thunderstorm or flooding or whatever, it will only go off when it's affecting your town, the area you live in. So it's a great uh, thing to have. And because the broadcasting towers are so interspersed, it still works during a thunderstorm or a tornado when you're in your basement and you're out of power. You can plug the batteries in and you've still got information that you can get to. Um, with that being said, the internet can also be used for this now today too. I, you can actually stream NOAA Weather Radio over the internet. So if you've got a laptop, for example, and a, like a, a, a cell phone Wi-Fi hotspot type deal, then you could stay in connection too. And there, there's some, there's some obvious myths and <laughs> that 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 um, that can wind up hurting people. Two um, things such as window pressure, big city, mountain tornadoes, which you kind of sort of touched upon that uh, yeah. freeway hiding and outrunning a storm. Uh. So yeah, there's you know a lot of times, and I've seen it in television, and I've seen it in movies even. Uh, so a popular myth is is that. Uh, when if there's a if there's a tornadic storm that's coming anywhere near you, that you should open all the windows in your house because that will keep too much pressure from building up in the house. And people used to think that the pressure would build up and that would push that would actually blow out the house, blow your walls down. And it's just not there's no truth to it at all. I mean, the amount of pressure that would have to build to tear your house apart from the inside is far more than you would even see inside of a hurricane, which is way more powerful than a, a tornado. So, um, you know, that's one that I've seen a lot, especially in older television series, you know, from the 90s, 80s. But do do stay away from, from your windows, though. Yes. Definitely Good. don't get near your windows. Don't get, get in front of any kind of glass sliding doors. 
because they're either going to get blown in or they're going to get hit by debris, and then you're going to have glass in, in your face, and that's never fun. Um, so yeah, that, this often the center of the center of the structure away from anything that can break, uh, basement level or as low as possible. Um, it's the best one. Now, big cities. Uh, what's the big myth about big cities? Well, there are a lot of pe- It was another one of those kind of urban myths. Is people said, well. Tornadoes can't strike big cities. So, for example, you'll never see a tornado in downtown Kansas City or downtown Tulsa, except it's not true at all. There was a tornado that went straight through the middle of downtown Oklahoma City in 1991. There have been that have gone straight through Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, through Des Moines, Iowa. Um, so just because you have skyscrapers and a big spread out city doesn't mean that the winds are going to get deflected, which is what people thought would happen. Maybe it'll deflect the winds and the tornado won't form, but it's not true at all. Um, there's also the whole uh, mountain tornadoes. Um, so people thought that tornadoes couldn't form in mountains, although... It's also not true. There have been multiple hikers and campers who have seen tornadoes above 10,000 feet. Uh, one of the most popular, there's a photograph out on the Internet that the guy took in the early 80s of one in northern Utah, and he was on a mountaintop at 10,500 10, feet, I believe. So just because you're on top of a mountain doesn't mean you're safe from vortices. But there's also... Uh, I don't know why people think they could hide in the freeway under a bridge. Yeah, so this is another one of those popular myths. And, you know, a lot of these, I don't know where they came from. I actually tried to research them and see if I could figure out, you know, when did people start believing in big numbers that, you know, if you're caught on the road during a tornado, that you should get under a freeway overpass. And, I, I mean, I can't find the earliest references to it. But at least since the 70s, this has been a big thing in movies and film and TV that, you know, it's a, it's a concrete structure, so get under it. The problem is, is that most freeway overpasses are very open underneath, and you're just going to get sucked out the other side. Uh, it would actually be better to stay in your car at that point, because at least if you are buckled into your car and your car gets swept up and rolled, you have a chance of surviving, because it's not your body that's getting rolled around on the rocks and, and so on. Hell, it's better to go jump in a ditch than it is to jump under a freeway. Exactly. Um, um, And, of course, uh, there are those who foolishly try to outrun outrun one of these things. Right. So, tornadic storms have been clocked as high as 90 miles an hour in movement before. Um, there's no reason to think that that's a limit either. I'm sure that if a storm had enough energy that it could go faster than that. So um, generally the safest place to be on a storm is on the back side of the storm. And in Tornado Alley, storms generally come from the west and go east. Now they might come northeast and go, or from the northwest and go southeast, or they might come from the southwest going northeast or just generally east. Any, you know, they can take any path. But you're never going to see a tornado form in the west and move due west. They just don't work that way. That's not how the dynamics of the atmosphere work. 
And so if you're behind the storm, this is the safest place to be. Now, that's not 100% true either, because a storm can actually circle around itself. And so if it's not technically moving you know, west, but it's circling around itself and coming right back to where it started, that kind of is moving west in a way. And so you've really got to be careful. If, you, if you're a person that's chasing storms, and I would say if you don't have any experience, don't do it because we don't want you to die. We want you to keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, right. It really does take a lot of planning and a lot of information, knowing a lot of the terms um, of what you're seeing because there are identifiers that storm chasers use uh, visually to know that that storm is actually taking like what they would call a hard left turn or a hard right turn. And it's happened before where, where chasers were driving alongside a tornado four miles away from them parallel and the storm makes a hard right turn and they get hit in the middle of it and get killed. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was either 2013 or 2014, there was a Weather Channel veteran storm chaser and his son were both killed because they got sideswiped when a tornado just went <laughs> off its deviated track. And so it's definitely a very, very dangerous, but also at the same time important job for spotters to be out there to give visual representation. So, so in other words, be very, very careful when you're doing that sort of stuff. Know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Um, but but yeah some some of these some of these things some of the some of the, the myths kind of boggled my mind I'm like what wh why why do people try to hide under a freeway um, because frankly if something is that powerful enough and you're not low enough towards the ground um, in theory it could damage the structure enough to where it uh, actually would cave in on you. Um, so... <laughs> well, like, yeah. we talked about Greensburg, Kansas earlier, which has kind of been the go-to discussion because Joplin had it... It was a cakewalk in Joplin compared to what Greensburg went through. The EF5 that hit um, Greensburg in 2007 hit during the nighttime when most people were asleep. Um, even people that were in their basements, the tornado was over a mile wide in estimate. Um, there's not a lot of footage of that storm because it was, you know, I think it was 11 p.m. when it hit, so it's very hard to get video that time of night. But um, even people that hid in their basements ended up getting killed. The storm completely leveled the town. It was a direct hit on the town. It destroyed 95% um, of the town. And I was going to find some of the other um, statistics about it because it was just there were people who did all the right things about where they were supposed to go in their houses and it did not save them. Uh, even There were even some reports of basements actually being pulled out of the ground. Farmland where there were rows and rows of corn, the soil was showing because the grass had been ripped out of the ground. Um, so, you know, if the tornado's big and mean enough, even doing all the right things is probably not going to help you. But it can minimize... It can. It can. Uh, let's see, that, that night uh, that it happened, 
um, was the, uh, let's see here, I was looking for it. 95% of the city was confirmed to be destroyed, and the other 5% was listed as being severely damaged. Uh, the estimate of winds, wind speed was 330 kilometers per hour, or about 205 miles per hour. Um, and it was the first tornado to be rated EF5 since they enhanced the Fujita scale three months or four months earlier. Um, and, I mean, it was just insane. It was declared a disaster area. There were 700, over 700 people were hurt, and estimates vary between 30 and 35 people were killed, although there are people that went missing. That one one gentleman was found, I think, seven miles away in a field because it had tossed him that far. Um, which is not, I imagine, a fun way to go. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, like, um, my mom is one of those that liked what, likes watching tornadoes, is as strange as it sounds, and there are lots of other people who do, too. Um, but yeah, it, it it's kind of the start of that that season, and basically our way of saying, hey, you know, be on the lookout and be careful. Um, yeah, and just keeping advising listeners to keep in mind uh, Weather Underground, Weather.com, the National Weather Service .gov website. These are all great places to get information. They're totally free. You don't have to do any kind of subscriptions or sign up to use it um, or anything like that. <clears throat> you know, and, and then just keeping your eyes on the sky during this time of the year because a lot of tornado deaths can be prevented um, if people pay attention to the warnings and um, you know, take shelter when you're advised. Which used to be a hard, it used to be a big problem because of the way that the original warning system, which has been changed in the last decade, the way it originally worked was very difficult and very bulky. And nowadays, you have each each most of your towns and cities are going to have kind of a, an alarm going off that blares an annoying sound, but it's. It's tested monthly. Yeah, and you know, if you if you want to take a couple of minutes to talk about the the warning system and what I was was alluding to, it used to be you know when we were kids because you and I are not that far apart in age. I think we're just a couple of years. I'm a couple of years younger than you, I think, Tommy. So we're right there. Um, when we were kids, and you probably remember this, you know, during tornado season, if there was a tornado, they'd say. On the TV or on the radio, there's a tornado warning for Johnson County, Missouri, let's say. And that warning was for the whole county. So if the tornado was actually two miles south of Warnsburg, moving east-northeast at 35 miles an hour, which the warning would tell you the direction it's moving, why would a person in Holden or Kingsville that's, you know, 30 miles west of, of uh uh, Warnsburg need to take cover. To them, the sky is sunny and the storm is moving away from them 
on these sides. And so what this led to is the problem where the, and then the original warning, you know, when the county was warned, every town in that county would set off their tornado sign. So what would happen is, you know, my dad would poke his head out the door and it's, you know, oh, it's that storm that's moving away from us. That's no threat to us at all. And you go back to doing whatever you were doing. The problem is, is that, you know, the more this happens, the more people become accustomed to it happening. And then people started to ignore the warnings. And then when there really was a warning for your area and you didn't know it, you just heard the siren, you think, oh, it's whatever, I'm just going to go back, then that's when people got hurt. As radar and uh, the uh, satellite technology got better and better throughout the 1990s and the early 2000s, high-definition video and high-definition radar and telemetry actually made it easier to create new warning systems to where now today in 2015, they can actually tell you right where the center of rotation is in the storm. And then they can warn only the area that storm is going to affect. So back to our example of if we have a tornado two miles south of uh, southwest of Warrensburg and it's heading northeast at 30 miles an hour, then they'll put a cone that includes you know, Warrensburg in the path and they'll give the warning, the tornado warning, and then only Warnsburg and any city that's in that cone will sound off their sirens. That way you don't have, you know, Sedalia or somewhere that's in, that's 50 miles away and not in, in, you know, the area. So that's actually made things a lot better. It's also made it easier to get law enforcement organized so that they can get out and get the word out and try to make sure people are safe and do spotting. Because you don't have to go, oh, wait, I need to go out on watch. Oh, wait, that tornado is 40 miles away from me, and I don't have anything to do with it. So the warning system has gotten a lot better. Yeah, I, 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 grew, up in the, I grew up outside, a mile outside of Leeton. So, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, you know, hear alarms as right. much per se. And lived down a down a good sized hill too mm-hmm. so going to the basement um, I would have been especially safe yeah uh, yeah but um, yeah uh, there's plenty of information out there um, I personally go to weather underground because they because of yeah because you can they will go off of this, you know the things that are closest to where you're at, um, but and I I don't remember if the Weather Channel actually bought them out or not. I don't know if they, if they did. But Weather Channel is also the weather dot com from the Weather Channel is good too. So. Yeah, yeah. The Weather Channels. Um, I, actually, I would say out of all three, the Weather Channel is the one that I don't like the most. But that's mainly because their website sometimes is so weird in its design that I sometimes I'm looking for something specific. You know, different people who are interested in weather have different levels of knowledge. I have a science education background in, in college, so I'm oftentimes I want to know things like what the Cape level is, which is a part of physics about the atmospheric conditions for that particular day, or I want to know what the wind velocity is or what the storm relative motion is, and that's not something that you know the average person who just wants to know about the storm is going to want to know. Um, and so with weather.com, it's hard to find the information 
because they've got it buried in so many different places. <laughs> Wonderground, Weather Underground does a much better job of that. Unisys does a great job. And then I would say the National Weather Service, their radar or their website's very primitive in terms of design. It's not flashy with lots of big buttons and so on, but it works very well and it's very well laid out. And so that's one of the reasons I've used it so much. Plus, they have uh, they have the radar network that I can link every radar in the continental U.S. and you know, see it in the big picture. But again, that, that I think it depends. And so if you're kind of the average person who maybe has a slight interest or maybe you just want to know where to go to get information, Wonderground is my, would be my first um, choice to you. Uh, Weather Channel would be my second. National Weather Service would be like a tied second. And then Unisys, which we talked about, um, honestly is probably going to be for the person who wants the science data. They Like I was talking, relative motions and things. They're going to have a lot more hard satellite imagery and so on that somebody who's interested in tracking storms would, would want to look at. Well, that, I think that's been a very good episode. And and it's it's uh, barely after eight, and yet it's already dark. So I'm probably go- Warrensburg's probably going to be getting something uh, very shortly. So um, at least rain, I'm thinking, because I'm like, wow. You got a little bit of spotty rain on the radar, but nothing big yet. The closest stuff to you that might give you a little rain is. Just getting into Johnson County from Cass County, and it's just a little bit of spotty rain. Uh, there are one, two, three, four tornado warnings now for the cell near Joplin. It looks like Joplin is under the gun. So, if anybody's so, watching this live from Joplin, you might want to take cover. <laughs> oh my! Um, and with that, I think we better end this particular episode. Um, Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Um, entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Our website is thenextreport.com, where you can follow most of our social networking presence on the left-hand side. We're also on Tumblr. Um, and, and, yes, I still love copy. Did, did, you, did you see that? I didn't uh, see that. Okay, uh, on, on Tumblr they had their April Fool's prank be, you know, their Executive Suite Productivity Edition, <laughs> which which is which productivity on Tumblr is an oxymoron. Tumblr, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Tumblr, a lot of filled with let's just say interesting people, annoying people at times, but interesting people, and they waste a lot of time there. But it was a throwback to the 90s with the little animated copy machine. Oh, right. I mean, Microsoft's Clippy has nothing on this guy. Uh, An emotional assistant that's like, I haven't been very much help to you. What? Data? That's my favorite. And you ask it why, and it just... I don't know. <laughs> it, it was weird and funny, but um, but I I I nevertheless enjoyed that prank. But um, I love copy. Bring them back, please. Um, and and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.